Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Alrighty then, we settle back into the normal stuff. It was a good little spurt there, wasn't it? Although I guess there was a trade... When the hell did that happen? Trade did happen yesterday, shortly after our podcast was released. So we do have one little nugget to go over at the front end of today's podcast. Welcome to it. Fantasy NBA Today, the name of the show. I am Dan Baspris. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. Trade time! Trade time. The Jazz and the Hawks exchanging power forwards in another salary dump. Ooh, boy, that new CBA is taking its toll right now. Man, alive. The Hawks do finally, after years of hemming and hawing and extending and then more hawing and more hemming, have sent to John Collins to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay and a second rounder. I think that's all they got back. Which, you know... I feel like if the Jazz were just trying to accumulate picks, well, okay, I guess this makes uh, yeah. This the, the the trades we're seeing right now are really bringing into stark focus the value of the dollar with this new collective bargaining agreement. Owners do not want to get hamstrung by what they call now this that second apron and so the hawks trying to clear out some room um john collins was signed for a couple more seasons i think he just did an extension this coming year he's making 25 mil then 27 then he has a player option for 27 after that so it's not an overwhelming contract necessarily but it is certainly less than what rudy gay was making um, and so for Utah, they get a player in John Collins who's frankly still pretty good. I don't know how, I don't know how the mechanics of this thing work. I thought that salaries had to be closer. There must've been a trade exception for one of these teams involved. I don't, I don't know who, probably Utah, because they made a bunch of deals last year. I don't, or maybe they, Atlanta get it and then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is that the trade is done. John Collins for Rudy Gay and a future second rounder. That's nothing. They got John Collins for nothing. Sorry, Rudy Gay. At this point of your career, you and a second rounder, nothing. But does this mean anything? Well, for Atlanta, the uh, immediate impact is, is large and evident. Because John Collins was playing 30 minutes a game, and basically every second of that was at power forward. So you just opened up 30 power forward minutes, 10 shots a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, in a guy that frankly, and we'll get to John Collins in a minute, but in a guy that was seeing his role dwindle on a club that, I mean, when your name is in trade rumors forever, it's it can wear on you. John, uh, John Collins, excuse me, played in 72 games this last season, for whatever that's worth. Uh, he's been uh, relatively, uh, call it 
like just slightly sub-average health. Remember, he had a, a suspension way the hell back. That feels like it's been forever ago. He's never really played a total season. Missed nine games in the 72-game season. He missed 28 last year. 11 this season wasn't bad, though. 11 was pretty good for him. The thing that feels notable about Collins is that the COVID year, he took 14.8 shots per game. He averaged 21.5 points and 10 rebounds that year. 0.8 steals, 1.6 blocks. He was, and I don't use this term lightly, a monster. A bona fide freaking monster. Now... He didn't play a ton of games that year, only 41 out of the 72, but when he was out there, he was a mid-first-round pick. It's really easy to forget that John Collins was a first-rounder that year. Following season, he took only 12.2 shots per game. Scoring was down to 17.6, rebounding was down to 7.4, minutes were actually down by 4, which does play a role, although you can't pin it all on that. Last year... He played 31 minutes, so the minutes actually crept back up, but continued to see his shots decrease to 11.9. Rebounds were a little bit higher, again, likely due to the minute shift. This season was just his worst in every respect. Shots were down to 10. That's his lowest since his rookie year. Minutes were at 30, which, again, like we've seen him produce in 30 minutes a game, but the rebounds were down to seven or 6.5. That's the lowest of any season in his career. So I'll say this. It's looking more and more like the 1.6 blocks per game back in 1920. Ha! <laughs> 1920! He blocked 1.6 shots per game. 2019-2020 was anomalous. Every other year he's been at 1.1. Now his rookie season, his per 36, was about 1.5. But most years he's been around 30 minutes per game and he's been around one block. Okay. Most years he's been around 30 minutes per game. He's been around 0.6 steals per game. I think looking at that number this year, you could probably call that repeatable but again i wanted to i wanted to save a little bit of the john collins discussion i guess we're in it now so the hell with it we'll loop back around to atlanta let's start with the utah side john collins goes to a utah jazz team that largely played kelly olinick who look i love kelly olinick he's i've been a, a frequent i am a timeshare owner on olinick island but but uh he's not the future there he played 29 minutes per game this season, and most of those were at power forward, either alongside, at the beginning of the year, you could call him a stretch five, and, and Jared Vanderbilt was the four. As the season went on, he became a stretch four, and Walker Kessler became the five. Either way, Olenek was just playing alongside those guys because he's a passer, a facilitator, a floor spacer. John Collins comes in as the younger asset on this club, and an opportunity to kind of remake the front end of his career. He's only been in the NBA for, what, six seasons now? He's not an old dude. He'll be 26 just before opening day. I mean, that's, that's still a young guy entering his prime. So again, as much as I do adore Kelly Olynyk and how much value you can wring out of him anytime the opportunity presents itself, Kelly Olynyk is 32. That's a little bit older than uh, 26. You know, one of these guys was born in 91. The other one was born in 97. Olenek is a veteran leader on this club, and he's an expiring contract on a rebuilding team. So not only all of that, he's also very tradable asset at $12 million. 
you kind of have to figure, and look, I, everybody can say, oh, well, young guys are going to, yeah, well, uh, fair. This Jazz team is good enough to compete for a play-in spot. We saw that for most of this season. They had some injuries. They shut people down. They traded Mike Conley. That ended up being probably the biggest part of the ordeal. But they'll come into next year with most likely a healthy Colin Sexton. How long he lasts is anybody's guess. But assuming Jordan Clarkson does exercise his player, um, he might he might opt out. Clarkson would probably get 14 mil on the open market. But you got Larry Marketing, who's been awesome. Sexton, who they signed to a four-year deal. Uh, Walker Kessler, who looks fantastic. Ochai Abaji, young player that I'm sure they'd like to get more playing time. THT will almost definitely take his player option. I mean, this is a team that can try to win. Uh, they can probably gun for 50% of their ball games. All that to say, it's not a tank team. So you throw John Collins into the mix... And you say, oh, well, where's John Collins going to find his minutes? Because they have Markin and they have Walker Kessler. Well, Larry Markin mostly played small forward last year. So there isn't really a whole lot of reason to assume he won't play small forward again. John Collins would pretty much just slot into Kelly Olynyk's role. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Yeah, they'll probably make him earn it, but I don't think it's going to take him that long. And I know what everybody can point at. They can say, John Collins, he's been on this downward trend for four years in a row, Dan. Why are you even remotely positive on him? And you'd be right to ask that because we faded John Collins on this podcast last year. I didn't like the situation he found himself in on the trade block. DeJounte Murray coming to town, just a situation in Atlanta that was getting more and more log jammed. And it was wearing on him. He wasn't going to admit it. I think he had an interview where he was like, oh, well, you know, you step on the floor and you play your game. But like, if you just feel constantly like this is not your home, that's going to change the way that you play basketball. So John Collins, in my mind gets the sort of fresh start bump in Utah. And I don't need him to do a ton of stuff. I don't need him to get back up to 15 shots per game. He's not going to, by the way, not on this Utah team. Olenek only took eight. But you might see a little more balance. You might see a little less Jordan Clarkson at 17 shots per game. Maybe consider get a little bit of efficiency mixed in there. Maybe we see John Collins get back up to, I don't know, 11 and a half? Considering how little 
he was featured in what Atlanta was doing this season. I don't think that getting to 11.5 is all that tough in a starter's role. Because he's really efficient, actually. The Hawks just didn't care. They, he was being treated like an asset on the way out. They didn't play to his strengths. They forced him to do things he wasn't as good at, and it hurt his numbers and his confidence. So let's say, hypothetically, Collins gets back up to, like, 11.5 shots per game. Let's just say that that's within the realm of possibility. You can argue with me on it if you like. I think it's doable. That's not that far off from John Collins' last season. Not this most recent one, but the previous one, where he had 11.9 shots per game. That got him to 16 points and 8 rebounds. And then everything else for him is pretty much a perfect linear translatable line between seasons. That was a top 50 season for Collins. Yes, as always, what we do with a player is going to relate directly to where he gets drafted. ADP is everything. But as hard as we faded Collins last year, I think we'll be taking a long, hard look at him this year as a possibility. Now, the Atlanta side is a little bit more complicated because the players behind Collins that were fighting for those power forward minutes were some combination of DeAndre Hunter sliding up, Jalen Johnson logging some minutes at power forward, and then as the season went on, you saw an awful lot of Sadiq Bey. And in my mind, that situation is so murky that I don't know that I can take a shot on any of them. Especially when you consider that over the final, uh, well, call it two-ish months of the season, so basically post-trade deadline, Collins was averaging 27 minutes a game and completely marginalized in those 27 minutes. His defensive stats disappeared. Uh, His percentages started to suffer. He was at nine shots per game. He just, he didn't get to do anything. Sadiq Bey was the main beneficiary of that. He wasn't good enough by himself in 25 and change minutes per ball game, but he went out there and took nine and a half shots per game in only 25 minutes per night. 12 points, five boards, couple of three balls. Jalen Johnson played only 16 minutes a game over that stretch. So he didn't win out, if you want to look at it from that perspective. And maybe you could argue that someone like an Onyeka Okangwu, if he were to somehow expand his range, maybe he could push his way into a few extra minutes, but he was pretty much at center exclusively last year and split time with Clint Capella. So if the end of last season is any indication, Sadiq Bey was the next guy up in line in Atlanta. None of us from the fantasy side really wants that to be the case because his value only came through rampant chucking in Detroit. And when you take that away from Bay, well, he's not that great of a fantasy play. Number 145 in 26 minutes per game. I guess if that, I mean, if you pull that out and you give him full starters minutes, yeah, he could claw into the top 100. But there ain't a whole lot of room for growth beyond that. Not on a team where he's not going to get to rebound all that much. It'll basically just be three-pointers. And can he keep the field goal percent high enough? I don't really want to do it. I don't really want to deal with Jalen Johnson either. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, his role will have to be bigger. But could it get anywhere near large enough? I certainly doubt it. DeAndre Hunter doesn't have a particularly good fantasy game either. It just feels like we cleared out minutes in Atlanta for guys that have worse fantasy games. 
And I don't know that anybody that's already there gets a bump that we'd want them to. Maybe the centers? I mean, John Collins, he didn't play many center minutes, but at least there was an outside shot. If they really wanted to, they could go super small. So, I don't know, like one. Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu combined for about 47 of the 48 center minutes last year. And yeah, Capella missed a couple of ball games in there. So like you could, you could point at that team and say that if you take away, but like Jalen Johnson could take two or three center minutes also. I, I don't know that it changes all that much. I think it probably just heaps a few extra minutes on guys who don't have particularly good fantasy games. And so out of all of this, your winner is probably Collins just getting out from under that weird cloud. There was a cloud in Atlanta. So the actual topic of today, the next team on our uh, team recap, is the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, boy, that's a loaded one. Kind of wish we were able to do this one before all the insano trades lately. But whatever, this is where we're at. The beauty of the Suns is that this is actually uh, a pretty damn easy team to handicap now because they are overwhelmed by volume. Also, want to remind everybody, the NFL Draft Guide is out at Sports Ethos right now. It is the only NFL Draft Guide out there. Big box sites, they're waiting on theirs. It's not ready yet, but ours is. Already 60 pieces of content. There will be more than 200 by the time that NFL Draft season is complete. And for a limited time, not only can you get the NFL Fantasy Pass, NFL Solo Fantasy Pass for $4 a month. That's nothing. But the All Sport Fantasy Pass, brand new product at Sports Ethos that includes NFL, MLB, and NBA, all in the same Fantasy Pass, is on sale for only $7 a month for a limited time. That's going up to $10 as soon as July. When any NBA draft content comes out at Sports Ethos, the All Sport Fantasy Pass goes from $7 up to 10 So if you're thinking about getting any Fantasy Pass that includes more than just NBA, get it now. Lock in that $7 price forever. You can just leave it on forever. You'll never get hit with a cost increase. Because it's going to go to 10 and then at some point, inflation's going to hit it again. It'll probably go to 11 or 12 You'll still be paying 7 sportsethos.com go get it go get it now or at least get the nfl fantasy pass and check out the amazing stuff those guys are doing it's beautiful beautiful work okay so the phoenix suns diving back into our topic du jour now have a starting lineup of devin booker bradley beal kevin durant deandre ayton and Maybe campaign if they want to go to a traditional point guard. Maybe Tory Craig if they want to let Booker run point or Beal run point and not have a traditional point guard out there. Maybe somebody they haven't signed yet. But here's the bottom line. Whatever you got out of these guys last year, it's probably going to be worse this year. We didn't get to see much of Kevin Durant after the trade deadline uh, with the Phoenix Suns. Remember, he missed a bunch of time with slipping on a crack. 
I always think of that uh, scene in Hot Shots. Lloyd Bridges falls down the stairs, and somebody says, Sir, are you okay? And he says, I slipped on a crab. Someone's like, a crab? And he says, yes, there were two of them. They work in pairs. Kevin Durant slipped on a crab on the uh, Suns court. He ended up playing, I think, only eight games with Phoenix at the end of the year. And he was, you know, as typically amazing Kevin Durant's self. He was awesome. Shot 57%, 83 free throw line. He's always very good at both of those things. Got some blocks, got some rebounds, got some assists. He took only 16 shots a game, though. Booker took 20 down the stretch, 8-12. and 12. Beal was on another team. He was taking 20 shots a game with the Washington Wizards. Dude ain't taking 20 shots a game in Phoenix. By the way, while Beal was taking 20 shots a game down the stretch this year in Washington, he was still outside the top 60. Because his fantasy game has, unfortunately, kind of fallen apart a little bit. Still good percentages for Beal, which is always fun. And the steals and blocks are always okay. Everything is kind of okay for Beal. That's the magic of Bradley Beal. But his big powerhouse seasons, those came in the year where he was taking 22, 23, like absurd level volume. Because he doesn't actually shoot that many three-pointers, interestingly. In fact, this team, the Suns, their main guys, are not really floor spacers in the traditional not that they're going to have any issues scoring but they're not really a three-point shooting team with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson gone and the loss of Chris Paul doesn't really change that in any way but just something worth pointing out so again whatever you thought you were going to get out of these guys Booker was you know top 30 range dude and Beal uh there were hopes that he could maybe get inside the top 50 he was more like top 60 for long stretches Aiton was sort of top 50 KD was first-rounder. Those guys aren't getting to those marks. It's going to be somebody's team, probably Booker, maybe Durant. So, yeah, there is an outside shot that one of these guys maintains roughly what they were doing before they all got together. But on top of everything else, you have a chemistry situation developing here where they got to incorporate Bradley Beal without now a true point guard. Will they find a way offensively? Of course they will. These guys are amazing. Will it take some time? Yeah, it will. So I am not really in the market for Phoenix Suns. I'm sure that we're going to get near draft day and we're going to have what I'm going to call DeJounte Murray syndrome here where a guy is being overdrafted and then underdrafted and over then under and they're sort of rubber banding back and forth in ADP. Someone on this team is going to have that rubber band, I guess, would be that it would be DeAndre Ayton, where, like, he goes late, then he goes early, then it goes late. Like, Kevin Durant is still probably going to go in the first round because he's Kevin Durant. If he goes towards the end of it, I'd probably still take him because he's freaking Kevin Durant. But I can't imagine that Booker maintains what he was doing all of last year. So, like, say bye-bye top 30, Devin Booker. That's likely gone. Booker was number 28 per game this year. Bye-bye top 30. Bradley Beal is number 54. As the lead horse in Washington, you're now the third horse. And he wasn't even inside the top 50. He could maybe stick there because his percentages are good, but you'd need to see an uptick in threes, probably, and certainly a downtick in, re- in uh, turnovers there. But I like maybe there's not that huge of an erosion with Beal, but he's certainly not somebody I'm targeting. DeAndre Aiden got 13 shots a game last year. That popped out. That sticks. Bye-bye, top 50, DeAndre Ayton. Because he's not even a shot blocker. Suns are a likely 
I mean, they'll have four players with fantasy value, but it's going to be messy. There is a non-zero chance that all four Phoenix Suns get overdrafted. Non-zero. I don't say that. I'm not going to say that it's likely. With all the rubber banding going around, there's probably one of these guys that ends up getting slightly underdrafted. Again, like if Aiton is durable, he, he probably has the best chance to go underdrafted. But it's not like KD's going to fall. Booker's not going to fall. Beal might fall because he's been kind of crummy for a couple of years, but he's not really a guy that I'm targeting in the middle rounds anyway. At least you got an okay floor with all of these dudes, but yeesh. So the Phoenix Suns, messy. Real freaking messy. And they're not done. They're going to be bringing in some veteran minimum guys. Not that those dudes are going to have fantasy value, but they are going to just slice into whatever else is going on out there. The more guys they bring in, the less that these guys are going to be asked to do. Stars are going to have to do everything, pretty much. Are they going to have to play the entire ball game? Um, There's going to have to be some very serious staggering going on, where like one of the three main dudes is going to have to be on the floor at every second. So I wouldn't expect too much erosion in number of minutes per game, but the, I don't know if they're going to be able to defend anybody. The chemistry is going to be goofy. It's going to be really high turnover situation. What if they could bring in like a defense first passing point guard? Who that would be, I'm not certain, but maybe they could go get like a Ricky Rubio floating around. What's his deal look like these days? I didn't look it up before the show. Oh well. But that's it. I mean, I like we could go in circles about Phoenix over and over again, but that's it. That's what you need to know about the Phoenix Suns. We got to see the ADPs, but. Uh, you know, there's a very real chance that this whole team gets overdrafted, specifically the three big-name guys, because they score a lot. And I love Kevin Durant's fantasy game. I really do. And all you got to do to get him to supreme value is 18 shots per night, and maybe that does stick in Phoenix. So perhaps, like, if people freak out about KD and he falls towards the turn, then maybe he's the guy who gets slightly underdrafted because he posts, like, top eight or nine fantasy value and he's drafted at 11 but Booker's probably going to go in the early 20s if I had to guess he's probably not getting there Beal probably goes around 40s he ain't getting there Aiton maybe he goes in the 50s and beats it Ugh. I doubt it though I guess if I had to lay money on something today as which guy on this team is going to beat his ADP I'd say the only one I'd say the best chance per game is KD because people are going to freak out about injury stuff and like maybe there's a chance he stays healthy. But again, that doesn't impact the per game all that much. By totals, you're probably looking at Beal and Aiton as the guys that could beat their totals rank. But I'm looking at per game. I want a combination platter. I want a guy who's going to put up good numbers per game and be mildly durable. And I don't know that anybody on this team fits that bill. But again, what if you lotto into that 11th or 12th pick, and there's KD, and you're like, well, okay, um, I'm on the turn, and, you know, Dame is there, or, I don't know, James Harden is there, or do I go KD? Because of that top five per game potential, I would have a tough time turning him down at that juncture, I'll tell you that. Ah, well. Okay, everybody, have a wonderful Tuesday. That was your show. We'll keep rumbling along into tomorrow. 
Tomorrow, Wednesday, we are drawing awfully close now, damn close, to uh, free agency. Brain farted for a second there. We still have the Sixers, Lakers, Celtics, and uh, Heat and Nuggets. We still have five teams left to go to. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go through those teams and, uh, you know, we'll just keep doing them in order. So we'll do the Sixers tomorrow. We'll do the Lakers uh, probably Thursday morning. Friday, uh, I mean, there's a chance that on Thursday afternoon or evening we might have to do kind of like a live breaking thing if big free agency stuff hits. Friday we'll probably spend all on free agency. Monday we'll probably have more free agency. Maybe we get back into these teams on Tuesday of next week. We'll, we'll play it a little bit by ear. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun, though, as we find out where some of these players are likely to land. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, go check out the NFL premium stuff at sportsethos.com. Ethos Fantasy FB is the football feed. I am Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Talk to you all tomorrow.